Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Amen. I'd like to welcome you this morning to the Creating a Prayer Culture for God. This is Pastors Lester Sharon Hayes here this morning. Amen. Uh, I want to greet all of you this morning again in the awesome, incredible, amazing name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just welcome you this morning on this Monday morning, February the 21st, 2022, as uh, we gather together this morning. Continues in this morning to, to, to talk about, to teach about, to learn about, amen, to have revealed to us this morning the revelations of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, uh, from his word, amen. Uh, so as we gather this morning, we give God all the praise, we give God all the glory, we give him all the honor this morning because he's worthy to be praised, amen. And we gather together this morning, uh, we've been dealing with this subject, broad the broad umbrella that we're under, uh, talking about the proof that we really love God, amen. And we've been dealing with these six different tests that we've been taking uh, that's written in the Bible. You know, the Bible is the, is the teacher. The Bible is the word of God is who enlightens and who instructs us. God has given us his inspired word to be used as a doctrine. So we don't have to try to figure stuff out, run around like a chicken, as they used to say, with our heads cut off. Or, or with a like a, a, a duck or something with our head ostrich stuck in the sand, we can we can just open up this perfect law of liberty and we can learn and have it revealed to us as much about God as there is in the Bible, sixty-six books that deals with uh, before the foundations of the world. It goes all the way from Genesis to Revelation. You can learn anything you want to learn about God, but even better than that, we can learn what God has to say about His people, about us. Uh, you know, we can learn what the revelations about Jesus Christ that have that have that have been foretold by prophets, and you know, we can we can learn a lot of foundational principles. We can learn spiritual laws. We can we can we can learn all that is to be known that was written for our learning, that we may know. You know, that we have eternal life. We have salvation. We have forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, benefits from God. You know, provisions from God in His Word, and so this is what it's all about. If we ever plan. Uh, to build a better future for ourselves of optimal wellness, overall wellness, then we have to turn to the word which God has given it to us, like I said, as a doctrine to live by, uh, you know, and also for reproof to show us what we're doing wrong, teach us those things, reveal those things to us, you know, so that, you know, before people ever say anything that we did wrong, we already have looked in the perfect law of liberty and saw it and made the correction because it also is good for correction. And I love this is good for instruction and in righteousness that the men and women of God may be thoroughly furnished and prepared unto every good work. And that's talking about after the doctrine have led you to repentance, you know, and taught you how to be saved. Now your good works count for something. And you get to take those good works with you when you stand before the Father. Now, all the good works you did in hopes that you were going to be saved don't count. It's after where they count, but they don't, they don't count towards your eternal salvation. You know, they just count toward the favor of God while you're living on this earth. But we want to be able to prepare ourselves, too, for living in eternity. And so you do good works, you know, here, which you should anyway. God counts those. Those are good, just good works. They're good. You know, but I got to think about what happens after this life is over. And none of those good works prior to me crying out to Jesus and repenting of my sins count toward my salvation. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll get me, you know, some, some, some good things that come out of it. But I need to be able to prepare myself for eternity. And this is where the revelations of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior come, because that's the only name by which we can be saved. 
you know, good works won't save me. You know, we got we to gotta repent of our sins and turn to him and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, you know, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because that is the earnest payment on our future salvation. Amen. Is 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 making sure that I receive God's spirit, and, you know, which is which is a gift to us. Amen. The Holy Spirit, the, the helper, the paracletos, that third person of God here body, he is a gift to us, just like we're gifts to the body of Christ. He's a gift to our body. He's a, he wants to come and live inside of us, you know. And so we're, we're, we're learning how how that happens and who that is that lives inside of us. And we're learning, you know, uh, who God is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because Jesus was the personification of the Father when he came to this earth. He said, you see me, you see the Father, you know. So if you want to see God, look at Jesus, amen. And no man can look at God and live. So that's why he sent Jesus to be the personification of him, the manifestation of him to people so they could see. You know, but most of the time people, uh, you know, see all kinds of things. They'll tell you, man, I had this dream, I had this vision, I had this, I had that. But that goes against the the, the Bible said that no man has ever seen God and lived. So, so we need people need to be careful how they say they saw God. They saw him in the clouds. They saw this. They saw that. I look in the Bible and I see things about Jesus, and I begin to imagine what the Father must be like through His Son Jesus. You know, I see the Father's attributes, I see his characteristics, I, you know, I see the personification, I see the manifestation, you know, through his son Jesus. And then you, you throw in the Holy Spirit, man, now he, he teaches you things that, you know, that Jesus taught while he was on the earth, and he teaches you things that you don't know yet. And he brings them back to your remembrance, and he walks alongside of you. Now, I'm not saying you got a physical person standing there that you can see with your physical eyes, but we discern by the Spirit because we've learned in the Word. We've seen the revelations in the Word. So we know that when certain things that we can't find words of English to explain, like David did, that that's got to be the presence of God because some things just have to be acknowledged that that's you, God. And so let's go to the Word this morning, amen, and learn some more of these things about how we prove that we love God according to his word. Amen. And, and we had learned some things about, you know, turning away from sin, uh, you know, because it enslaves us and it blinds us. Okay. And so to turn away is telling God that you love God. To turn away from the one thing that separates us from God is the best way to prove to God that we love him. Amen. And so we're going to pick up in verse 8. Uh, uh, today, amen, of the first book of John, chapter 3, and we've been dealing with verses 4 through 7, and we're going to look at verse 8 uh, this morning and try to get down to verse 9, amen, and, and as we move forward. But uh, let's just pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debt to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Lord. For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory. It all belongs to you. Now, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to have your way to come alongside this morning. Bring everything to our remembrance that we've already learned. Connect everything together, these verses, these chapters, these books that we have gone over. Let these revelations now be, be, be embedded deep within our inner man that when we need to, we can reflect on them. And there's enough there that the Holy Spirit can remind us, amen, that we're being tested to prove our love to God 
we're being tested to see if we're still enslaved or if we're continuing in sin or have we been freed because of the power of God to free us and so out of his love for us. And so we thank and praise you this morning as we open up the word this morning. Amen. That, that, that we will be enlightened and instructed, led and guided by the spirit of God this morning, the spirit of truth as he speaks to us, as he unveils and reveals these revelations is our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And so again, our, our text this morning is going to be coming out of the book of First John chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 8 this morning. Amen. And we know that the other day we finished up, amen, with uh, verse 7 where it says, you know, uh, really was letting us know that Satan had been defeated. You know, that's what Jesus did. You know, he's been defeated. And we have to reinforce that defeat because we know Satan came but for the kills to destroy it. But Jesus said, I can that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So you got to make a choice there. You know, sin, sin opens back up the defeat on us and not on him. But when you become free of sin through repentance, that defeats him. Our, our confession, our repentance, it actually reinforces the defeat that Jesus already took. You know, he took the, the victory out of, out, of, out of sin. You know, so sin no longer has any dominion on us, even though we are still sinners. Okay, we're saved by grace, though. You know, and that's a gift from God. As long as we remember that and we continue to, you know, to, to, to stand on that, to know that Satan can come and form weapons against us, but they won't prosper over us. They won't cause us and lure us away to, you know, the lust of the eye, pride of life, you know, you know, lust of the flesh, to lure us away that we continue in sin. While we've been delivered, Jesus has brought us back and put us, reconciled us back and put us back in right standing with the Father. And we're going to prove, okay, by what we do, how we show our love to the Father, that we're no longer, man, being defeated by the one who's been defeated, which is Satan, you know. And it says, you know, in 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 uh, in uh, in those uh, in those uh, in verse seven uh, that we finished up with, verse seven says this. Uh, <clears throat> Amen. Verse seven says this. I'm sorry. Verse yeah. Verse seven says. Where was I at? Where was I at here? Okay, here's, did I say seven or eight? Yeah, we finished verse eight the other day. And uh, we're, eight, verse eight says this. It says, um, I'm just getting my notes together. Okay. He that committed sin is of the devil. Okay. But the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil, which is one of his primary works is to get us to sin through temptation. Now, we know that verse 8 says that he's been defeated, okay? And, uh, you know, the book of uh, Revelation, just by way of review, says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 14, the King James Bible says this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And so talking about Jesus here in the book of Hebrews, what Jesus had done, Revelation, it just, it just constantly reinforces that, sin's dominion has been destroyed and defeated you know even though there's still potential and possibility for us to sin because we are sinners saved by grace 
You know, we're not, uh, you know, we're not uh, sinners because we sin. We're sinners. We sin because we're we're sinners, but we're saved by grace. And we have to anchor ourselves in the in the fact that well, really, the truth that Jesus has already defeated Satan, who is the you know, who is the one that caused people to sin through temptation. And so, you know, in the book of Second Thessalonians, chapter two, verse eight of the King James Bible it says, "And then shall the, that wicked be revealed." whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy it with the brightness of his coming. You know, so Jesus defeated him before. Jesus is defeating him today. Jesus is going to defeat him even going forward. And so that's the refuge that we have to take confidence in is what Jesus has already done, what he's doing and what he promised to do. You know, as long as we keep looking to him, you know, and submitting ourselves to him and resisting the devil, the devil will flee from us because he knows that we love God when he sees us resisting him. He knows that that's the only way we can do it. Satan knows that, and we got to teach him. And when he, well, it's really not Satan anymore because he's in chains, but it's his evil spirits. That's why Jesus, when he came to the earth, he, he got rid of every evil spirit. He cast out evil spirits because Satan has got a lot of evil spirits. Now, you have to remember when he got kicked out of heaven because of pride and arrogance, you know, wanting to be the man up there. And we're talking about in this, that spiritual kingdom before, you know, the physical kingdom that was created by, by God. You had angelic beings, you know, and he was one of the most beautiful angels in heaven. Yes. You know, made beautiful music, worship. But he got full of pride and he wanted to be worshipped instead of worshipping. And they started calling him, you know, and got kicked out. You know, and a third of the angels fell with him. And so those third of the angels are those evil spirits now that are disembodied, that are out there, man, in the in the in the in the air, okay? You know, and, and they, they harass people, they tempt people, they you know, they go in, they enter into people who, who don't know how to ward them off and to fight and discern and recognize them, you know. And so and so we know that, you know, the last enemy that we're gonna deal with is death. That's the last enemy. And what do I mean by that? If you die not in Christ, that be, death becomes an enemy to you. But if you die in Christ, death becomes just a transition from you out of this physical life into a life eternal, life immortal, everlasting life. And so that's the key. That's the last enemy. And in and, 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 and the great white throne judgment, that is going to be the last enemy that Jesus destroyed. Because after the white throne judgment, you're going to find those who are going to be dead, put to death eternally. You're going to find those who are going to be resurrected to live eternally with Christ in his presence. So that's what awaits us. So death is that. So you can you can you can weaken death. You can take the sting out of it right now by giving your life to the Lord and continue to be saved and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's how you put a put a death to it. Now, the temptation, you know, the thought of sin, you know, the continuation of sin. Is by what you're doing now, you know. And it said the last enemy shall be that shall be destroyed is death. That's in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 26 of the King James Bible. So we know that Satan has he's in change right now, but his old evil spirits have been released to harass us to go to and fro seeking whom they whom they may devour. The Bible even told us in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the King James Bible. And this is Jesus talking. He's explaining this to them, teaching them. He said, hey, Satan, your adversary, comes but for to kill, steal, and destroy. How does he do that? He's got these evil spirits out here. You know, mm -hmm. temptation, all those, all those evil things. You know, temptation to murder, temptation to lie, to deceive. Things that appeal to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. 
you know. And he's saying, don't touch any of those unclean things, you know, you know, you know, because he said, you know, don't worry about it. I got, I got my scopes on death. I'm going to deal with death in the end. I'm going to show you just how weak death is. And if you know this now, this is the revelation, then guess what? No one should fear death. We should prepare for death just like we prepare for eternity because we're all going to die. And it's up to us how we die, what kind of condition we're going to be in. Now, we just go out here and do all these things. The Bible said the ways of sin and death to give to God's eternal life. And we go out here and do all these things that work against the gift of God, eternal life. That's on us. That's on us, you know, because he said the last enemy shall be destroyed is death. You know, what Paul told the Corinthians, you know, so get ready for death because that's, that's your last enemy. You know, and he goes on to say, so, so that means you don't have to die eternally. But it's based on what you do now toward eternity. That's why I tell people, what is your life? It's but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. Sin will destroy us if we continue therein. That's the design of it. You know, but death is worse than sin if, if, if I die as a sinner. Because I won't be able to reverse it. Once I'm out of here, I can't come back. You can check with the man that's on the wrong side of the gulf right now trying to get a message back to his, 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 his family members. It's not going to happen. This is the one shot we get right here to live our life in light of eternity. And we got to fight with, with, with the opportunity or the temptation to sin. But Jesus said there's no temptation. It's not common to man, you know. And so that means everybody's going to be tempted to sin and deal with death. Because the way to sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. I'd rather deal with eternal life. I'd rather figure out, find out, how do I be able to receive eternal life? You know, how do I live my life in light of eternity? And so this is what we're doing here. Because uh, we know the last enemy yet to be destroyed is going to be death. And he goes on to say in the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 20 of the King James Bible, he says, And the God of peace shall, bru shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, that grace, that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. This is Paul not talking to the Roman church. Look at what Paul is telling him. He said, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan, Satan, Look at what he said, under your feet. So he's telling you right there where, when it comes down to our relationship with Satan, where he should be. Never above us or in control of us, but under us, under our feet. God put him there. We got to keep him there, you know. And he said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you to be able to do that. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened us. So we can put him under our feet, keep him under, remind him where he's supposed to be and keep him there, you know. Keep him there. All of his little influence and his little imps. Keep them under us, not above us. It says, hereafter, I will not talk with you for the prince of this world, talking about Satan, and, and hath nothing in me. So he's telling you, any dealings you deal with Satan, you outside of, you deal with him outside of God because you don't have no dealings in the Lord. So we shouldn't have any dealings in him. Because it, it's counterproductive to, or counterintuitive to our relationship with Jesus Christ, to our building that better future. And he telling, he spelled it out to us right there, you know, in John, the book of John, chapter 14, verse 30, the King James Bible. Then he goes on to say in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 30 to 31, the King James Bible, Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look. When I spake to you, it wasn't my voice. You, you heard my voice, but remember, my voice is the voice of the Father. I'm speaking the things that the Father wants you to hear. You know, you know, I ain't come with my own little message. I ain't come with my own little righteousness. No, what I brought to you, I brought from the Father, and he wants you to hear the voice of God today and repent. 
if you fall in that category of sin as a sinner, unrepentant, backslider, prodigal son or daughter, he's saying, look, when you hear the voice of God, you know, if you open up that door, man, and invite him into your heart, man, you shall be saved. The cycle of sin will be broken off your life. The power will be stripped away from you. You know, and he'll take it away. That guarantees you eternal life. And he goes on to say, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. That's in the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 13, the King James Bible. Now, who's he talking about here? Jesus. Remember Satan tried to tempt him? He had the audacity after Jesus had been approved of the Father and led into the wilderness by the Spirit full of power. The audacity. Now here's a man been in, in the temple under those folks learning, learning the, the history, learning everything he could for that journey he was going to make through the wilderness on the way to the temple. Yes, Lord. And here's Satan got the audacity to come and tempt the Word of God, the living Word of God, to come and tempt the Son of God who'd been approved of God. And the same fate that he had when he tried to tempt Jesus is the same fate he ought to uh, run into when he tried to tempt one of us. What's written? What's written? You know, what Jesus said, it, no, it's written. Get thee behind me, say. You know, and so Satan has been <coughs> defeated. You know, and the verse 8 says that he committed sin. He, who, he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so that's the destruction right there. What we have in Christ Jesus is what destroys the work of the devil. The finished work that Jesus did, he said it's finished. So the sting of death, the victory of the grave has already been defeated and dealt with. But we still got that, 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 that eternal death that we're going to have to deal with. That will be permanent. Right now, the Lord is long-suffering. And he's, he's revealing to us through these revelations what he's already done enough that anybody who want to come to him and turn to him and believe in him can have salvation. This is it right now. And he's reminding us that Satan has been defeated. I defeated him. I made a show of him openly. I spoiled his principality. I think that's in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 of King James Bible. You know, he did that for us. Okay. And so let's go to verse 9 here. It says, whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin. Okay. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is a born of God. My God, man, that's, that's, that's just good stuff. John is writing, telling us this is what was written for your learning. So you would know this now. You know, we just got through talking about there were several scripture references that's teaching us, showing us. You know, for those of us who are, who are saved, probably didn't read this before, you know. It's, it's an enlightenment to us, you know. It's Thanks. opening up to us and, and laying out some, 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 some steps that have already been taken to secure our eternal salvation. But that's what Jesus did. That's the work that Jesus did. And so what we have to do, man, is take this word, man, and, and, and treat it like doctrine for our learning. Treat it like reproof to show us where we've fallen short. Teach us the things that we need to do, can do, what have been done, you know. And to show us what to avoid as we move forward. Because the penalty is too high. You know, jeopardize my salvation. So let it correct us. You know, all that have ear to hear. You know, let it instruct us in righteousness. For his name's sake. For our, for our, for our good. You know. And let it be, you know, that tool that God used to perfect in us his perfect will. 
Okay? That the men and women of God, we, will be thoroughly furnished and prepared to every good work. Not some, not hidden and missing. You know? And so he says right there, whosoever is born of God, do if not sin. He's telling you that's not the that's not the first thought that comes to your mind when you see a situation. Some people, man, they they live to see how they can deceive people, how they can lie, how they can they conjure up stuff, you know. Here he's saying that if you in Christ Jesus, you don't spend all your time trying to figure out how you're gonna buck the system, how you're gonna beat somebody, get over on somebody, lie to somebody, cheat on somebody. You you don't spend your time in those works. Those are not good works. They're good works to Satan, but they're horrible when in, when God looks at us. And we want to do things that's pleasing in his sight. This proved to him, Lord, that we love you. We fear you. We understand that the Christ in us is a sinless Christ. You know, and that we have to always remember we submit to God first. We don't go out here and commit sin first. We go, we 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 commit or submit ourselves to God every day and resist the devil who's trying to get us to commit sin against God. That's what David said. Father against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight because you know God watching. You know? And Satan know God watching too. That's why he tempts people. Because he, he he's in a he's in a war with God. You know, it's his, it's his seed against, you know, the seed of of, of, of of the woman of God. You know? And so he 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 he's trying to tempt people to, to sin. He said, For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So he's saying if you're born of God, there is no willful desire to sin or it shouldn't be. shouldn't be. Even though sometimes we fall short. But that's okay. God understands when someone made an innocent mistake that was wrong. <clears throat> but he also understands when somebody got up that morning with every intention to go out and do evil. Left home with that evil intention. Knew before they went out there what they were going to do. And we, we go sometimes like sitting ducks and fall in the trap. And so let's look at verse 9 here. He says, okay, whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So that seed that is planted in every believer is a righteous seed. And righteous seed does not produce unrighteous fruit. That's a lie. It's a deception. You know, and don't, be, don't do it intentionally. Then holler by God, you know my heart. Yeah, I know your actions too. I know that impulsive behavior I just saw too. You know, I knew I knew your thoughts before. I knew when you were sitting there thinking how you were gonna get over. I I I knew what was getting ready to take place when you called in because you didn't overslept. You hung out to the club and and claimed the sick day and said you had to take your dog to the bed. All that crazy stuff. People just make up stuff. And God said, I know all of this. You know, I know all of this. You know, but you say you're born of God, so you can't commit that. You know, that conviction come on you now. You say, I shouldn't have did that. You know, I lied. So you're talking about here uh, living a regenerated life. That's what regeneration is. I, I, I now know about sin. I know how it affects me. I know the power and control I have over it given to me by Jesus defeating Satan, who is the father yes. of, of lies and sin, who comes to tempt. So I, I know now. So now the regeneration process starts. I got to regenerate my thinking. I got to regenerate my, my, my how I deal with my feelings, my emotions. You know, it's called walking in the newness of life. Well, I'm a regenerated person, you know, a regenerated soul. I've been put back in right standing with God, you know. I can live anew now. 
with a fresh start. Why? Because all my previous sins have been taken away from me and hidden under the sea of forgiveness, washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So now I just have to walk as a, as a new creature in Christ Jesus. So I got to be regenerated to do that. <clears throat> Renewed, restored. You know, uh, the scripture says it like this right here that helps us. It says, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's in the book of John chapter 1, verse 13 of King James Bible. So now he's enlightening and instructing and revealing to us right here how that regeneration process unfolds. How, how does it happen? You know, <clears throat> how does it happen? You know, give me the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts. You know, it says, which were born, not of blood. That's the first thing right there. You know, we're being born, we're born from above, you know, of the spirit. You know, we were born when the water broke, we came forth physically. But then in the process, he's saying, hey, because you were born into sin, you have a, a corrupt nature that you inherited from, from Adam and Eve. But the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, is going to come, and it's going to be his blood that's going to wash away your sins and put you back in right standing. You know? And he says, nor of the will of the flesh. So it wasn't no flesh that saved you. Okay, it was it was it was it was the spirit of Christ came and convicted you through Jesus Christ, you know, and saved us. And then God said, "Hey, so I'm not gonna leave you to accomplish now. Now that I've saved you, you know, the Godhead body was all a part of that process. But He said, I'm not gonna leave you. You know, you're my you're my creation. You you I own you now that you you didn't give your life to me. You know, I created you, but you had to receive me to become a child of God." And as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. Verse 12, right there before verse 13, tells you that. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Everybody remember I talking about we all children of God. Now that I'm saved, you ain't saved. I don't confess. You ain't confess. You can't make that claim. You got to receive him. You got to receive salvation through Jesus Christ from the Father. You can't just go around and say, you know, we all came to God. We all children of God. No, he says in verse 12 of the book of first, first chapter of John, I'm reading verse 13 now, but before 13 is 12, and verse 12 tells us, as many as receive him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So you got to receive him, receive him through salvation, receive him through repentance, forgiveness. You know, this is how you become a son of God. You receive every revelation about Jesus Christ, every messianic prophecy that was foretold, every prophecy that's being fulfilled, all that are going to be fulfilled. This is how you receive him. You receive in his instructions. You receive revelations about him, teachings about him, preachings about him. All this other stuff, man, people preaching, talking about, begging for man, that, that don't get you saved. That don't get you back in right standing with God. You know? And so he said, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So if Jesus was born of these things and became a incarnated word of God made, you know, dwelling among us fully human, then guess what's going to happen with us? We have to be born of the Spirit in order to be able to do those things. You can't please God in flesh. He said, without the Spirit, you're not mine. So see, that's, that's, that's the give off right there. You, you give up this flesh and you receive God's Spirit. <clears throat> you know? And the flesh we're talking about is is that human ability that we always have to try to do things. That's all that is. That's what flesh is. You know, you look at a situation and the lust of the eye take over, you think you can do it. You think you can have it. 
you think you need it, you want it. I see that that's what he's talking about. You give that up because you know that you in this world but not of this world. You love not the things of this world, lust of the eye, pride of life, lust of the flesh. You know, and that's what he's saying right there. See, those are the things that appeal to your flesh and your you know flesh and blood, your your human instincts. You know. So that that generates those impulsive behaviors. You know you shouldn't have, but I just couldn't help myself. It was just them thousand dollars were just sitting there tempting me, calling me. I know they weren't mine. I didn't put them there, but somebody left them there, so I grabbed it. You did, and people would tell you, man, you did the same thing. If you'd been in a situation I was in, you probably did. You know, you you did that. I didn't. See, because I'm born of the spirit, but you born of flesh and blood. You you acting like it. You you gave into the temptation. You know, but you say you're born of God and continue to do that, continue to steal, continue to lie. But the Lord said in the book of Revelation, those who lie, let them continue to lie. Those who steal, let them continue to steal. Mm. You just make sure you're not one of those, mm -hmm. you know. He goes on to say here now in the book of uh, John chapter 3, verse 3, uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we're talking in terms of regeneration here. So that means you've been born out of one thing and born into something else. You can't continue to do the one thing you've been born out of. You've been born out of. You know, quite. You're born again. You're born from above. You're born of the spirit now. You, you, you done moved on and gravitated from being born fleshly, but you can't keep thinking fleshly. And I give you a good case in point. This conversation taking place between Jesus and Nicodemus. And what was the number one concern Nicodemus had when Jesus started talking about spiritual concepts, laws and principles and things of the spirit that come down from the Father? He was talking about a whole totally different kingdom. Remember we say a lot of times Jesus speaking in terms of parables and types and, and, and metaphors because he's painting a heavenly picture, but it's a, I mean, a heavenly meaning on an earthly picture. He's talking to him about being born again. And whether Nicodemus, he missed the whole thing, man. He said, you mean I got to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? See, that's the part about what he just got through talking about, about the physical part. See how flesh and blood reacts to spiritual things? You know, until your mind been regenerated and renewed to these things, you're still going, I don't care, I don't care how, what position you hold, what your title is, until you're being regenerated, mind renewed to the things of God, you can't spiritually discern them. Because you're going to do it in your carnal mind. Mm. This is what Nicodemus is doing here. And, you know, and, and they're having this conversation. And Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, that, check, check out, this, this, check out this, this ability to teach and to reach by Jesus. He said, no, Nicodemus, that that is born of the flesh is flesh. That that is born of the spirit is spirit. That's a, that's a profound lesson, but he said it in, in less words as he possibly could. And the meaning stuck with Nicodemus. He said, you must be born you know, of the water and of the spirit, you know, something else after physical birth, Nicodemus. That's why I'm here to teach you, to show you, to reveal it to you. I'm, I'm of that type, you know, look at me. You look at me, you see what I'm talking about. Don't look at your, your teaching. Don't look at your position you hold. Don't look at what you learn from all those high priests. I'm right here, the living word. Listen to me. And the Bible said Nicodemus, he couldn't get enough of that. He'd never heard that before. You know, it was new. It was fresh. It was revealing. It was revelation that he had not known. He hadn't studied yet. You know. 
And so he, he tells them there, and Nicodemus is starting to get the picture now. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, you know. And Nicodemus is looking at him and can't see him. I mean, he's looking at Jesus. He's having a conversation, but he can't see the kingdom there. He can't see the representation of the kingdom there. He can't see the spiritual ambassadorship of Jesus. He can't see that this is the Son of God, the Messiah. Now, the prophets had already prophesied that he was coming under us. You know, a child was going to be born. But see, Nicodemus couldn't see that this was a child, like many people. You know, unless something takes place in your mind and in your spirit, some renewal, some regeneration, something has got to happen there. Some conversion there, you know. Then he goes on to say here um, in the book of Second Corinthians, Paul writes a letter now to them, uh, probably struggling with the same thing Nicodemus was struggling with in their time mm -hmm. in that church in Corinth. But listen to what Paul tells them now. Now, you got to understand, this is Paul writing this letter to them now. We just read what John wrote for, for our learning, what happened with Nicodemus in Jesus' encounter. But now let's see what Paul, obviously Paul had had this personal encounter too same type that Nicodemus had. So let's see let's see the difference now in the conversation. Let's see what Paul is teaching. We see what Jesus was teaching Nicodemus. We believe that Nicodemus saw it after Jesus taught him and was renewed in it because his whole life changed and he followed Jesus and stuck with him. I mean, they couldn't get rid of him then. So the truth will make you free. And if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. We saw that with Nicodemus if you read on. But now let's see another individual here. Paul had an encounter one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. And there were some things said to Paul from Jesus when he met him on the road to Damascus. Paul, Paul, why persecuted thou me? You know, Paul wanted to know how am I doing that, kicking against the prick. He thought he was doing Jesus' bidding. No, he wasn't. He was working with Caesar. Flesh and blood. See, Paul was pleasing Caesar through flesh and blood. But he wasn't pleasing God through, through the spirit. Why? He hadn't been born again. So let's see what, what this conversation is after Paul now has been regenerated. Let's kind of see. This is, this is all taking place after Paul's experience on the road past Sharon to, 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 to Damascus. You know, he'd been regenerated. So let's see what Paul says here. Uh, this is a regenerated person. Now, a good example. Let's see what he says here as he writes to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 of King James Bible. We love this passage of Scripture. That's why we use it a lot. He says, Therefore... If any man be in Christ. Now notice there's a crowd here Paul is talking to. These are church folks. He's in the church of Corinth. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they had some first time visitors that day. Probably looking for a church, a place to worship. Mm -hmm. And so Paul is giving a universal message. The same message that Jesus was trying to teach the Nicodemus. Here Paul, he ain't giving a different message. Mm -hmm. He's saying, therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. In other words, he's born flesh, but now he's being reborn spirit. Old things of the flesh and blood are passed away. Yes. Behold, all things have become new. Yes. You know, and that is what Paul is teaching. You know, why? He had that, that experience and that encounter. So if you had the experience and encounter of being born again, like, like Jesus told Nicodemus, things change. You don't talk the same. You now you talk with the tongue of the learned. You don't do the same things. You don't go to the same places. You a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, born anew from above. You know, let's go a little further here. Over in the book of uh, Titus, chapter 3, verse 5, the King James Bible says this, Not by works of righteousness which ye have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us, past tense, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so the Holy Ghost renews, okay, what Jesus taught when he was with them. That's why he leaves the spirit of truth with us. He continues to teach. He continues to reinforce. He continues to remind. He continues to come alongside to help us so we don't forget the things that we've learned. That's why we say sometimes what the scripture says, that the memory of the just is blessed. This is why. You've got the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, to recall those things to your remembrance. And sometimes they come in the forms of conviction. You know that was wrong. And the Holy Ghost convict you. Before anybody tell you, before you look in the word again, bam, you feel the conviction. Because you're not born of flesh and blood. You know? Not by works of righteousness. They tell you right, not by works of righteousness which thou have done, which ye have done. A lot of people think because they do a lot of good stuff, man, before they get saved, that that's, they're saved. Mm. And they'll throw it up in your face and tell you. But he says it's not by works of righteousness which ye have done that you're saved. He said, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing and regeneration. When you when Nicodemus heard Jesus talk, man, right there, the washing and regeneration was taking place. Same thing with Paul and the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. And the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Both of them. Jesus was telling him about being born of the Spirit, that renewing of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to Paul on the road to Damascus. Go into Damascus, go to Ananias' house. Paul, he's going to tell you some things. He's going to show you mm -hmm. some things. He's going to anoint you with some oil. You're going to receive the baptism. And it happens. Just like Jesus has said. Just like he has said. That's in the book of Titus. Chapter 3, verse 5 of the King James Bible. So let's go a little further here. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 18 of the King James Bible says this. On, it says, of his own will begat he us with the word of what? Truth, that he shall be a kind of first fruit of his, of, of his creatures. You know, now you got to understand. This is Jesus' half brother James who are giving, giving his take now. Because he got to prove the same thing we got to prove. Just like we saw with Paul, Titus, all of them got to prove John, Nicodemus. All of them got to prove the same thing we got to prove. Nobody got around this. Nobody was exempt. That's right. You know? And at first, James, Jesus had brother, didn't want to have nothing to do with it. But sometimes you can't deny the power of God. Well, all the time, you, you, you can't deny the power of God. You might for a while, but eventually it will catch up with you. You know? And so look at what he said there, man. You know, he says, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. I, I love Jane when he said, now he includes himself. He beget us. So that makes it universal for everybody. A lot of time when I hear people say, y'all got to do this, y'all got to do that. It's like letting me, it be saying to me sometimes in disgust that they think they already have arrived. Mm. They above, they better than. This is why I like we preachers and us preachers. Mm. You know, I don't like they people. You know, sometimes people saying they said they, who is they? You know, here are all these guys here. We know who they are. It's Titus. It's John. It's it's James. You know, it's it's Paul. You know, we know who they are. Who's saying this? But when people come to you sometimes and say they said, Pastor, they this or they that. I, I like we and us folk. You know, you know, I like we and us teachers and preachers. Cause they include themselves. They involve themselves. They ain't just telling everybody out there. Y'all need to do this. Y'all need to do that. No, we need to do this. This is good for us, all of us. And we see it right there, man. He says, hey, you know, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth. That word beget is he won us over. He convinced us. He drew us in. He, he used the word of truth to set us free. You know? 
that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Talking about new creatures, born of members that we are new creation in Christ Jesus. So he's talking about born again creatures, spirit filled creatures, seal, heal, feel, got the victory. The righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus. Them creatures he's talking about. You know, this is what Jesus had brothers writing now. He didn't write this our way, but he he getting it together now. You know. Done saw some things. He done saw a revelation. Done heard a revelation. Done read a revelation. <clears throat> now it all makes sense to him. That's the truth that makes you free now. You see it in there? He got us by the truth. He won us over by the truth. Not the lies, not the manipulation, not the excellency of speech, not the doctrine of devils, but the truth. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 32, I will you know the truth, and the truth make you free. And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. James got it right like around the other, other characters. He goes on to say here in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3 of the King James Bible, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us, that that word go again, again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Us now. So Jesus' death still working for us. So it's universal. His burial still working for us, universal. His resurrection still working for us, universal. Him being glorified, glorified for us. Sitting at the right hand of the high for us. You know, Savior of the world for us. Died on the cross for us. Everything he did was for us. And us, some of us right now, still worshiping him from afar off. Some of us right now still worship him with the fruit of our lips and our hearts are far from him. Some of us have backslidden. Some of us have probably become prodigal sons and daughters. Some of us right now have rejected him. Some of us have gone and be become members of 4,400 different denominations out there. Some of us have been divided against the word of God. Some of us go out and try to create our own righteousness because we don't know the truth. We don't know the revelation. Because we're not born again. Okay, let's go just a little further. We're going to wrap this up, okay? Just a couple more of these. Uh, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the King James Bible, this will probably be my, I'm going to go one more scripture after I do this one. It says, being born again, not of the corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So we see the word of God has to do with that that is not corruptible, but incorruptible. That's the, that's the fruit of it. That's what it produces. Which liveth and abideth forever. So the word of God is living now. It abides forever. Heaven and earth going to pass away, but my word will not. You know why? Because it's living. It means it keeps producing some type of fruit. So it keeps in every generation, you're going to see the word of God. <coughs> Even after we're long gone, the word of God is going to still be given. Given what, Pastor? Given life. Incorruptible. Not corruptible. That's not the seed. The word is a righteous seed. <coughs> And it produces after its own kind. So every generation, God going to have people that's going to stand on the word. Why? He always maintains a seedbed to start over. <coughs> every generation, he's going to establish his covenant. Every generation. That's right. And goes on to say in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, um, you know, again, born, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, my word will not. Verse 29 of the first book of John, chapter 2, the King James Bible says this, If we know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. My God, that's powerful. Book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 7, the King James Bible says this, Beloved, let us love one another. 
for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Remember the test now that we talked about. You know, how do we prove to God that we love Him? First of all, we gotta we gotta be known of God through salvation, and you know we got to also know God for ourselves. You know, because to know God is to love God, and if you love God, you better love His people. And so we're going to, let me see here. Yeah, we can go, we can go, we, we can finish this up. Verse, uh, uh, the book of First John chapter 5, verse 1 of the King James Bible says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that beget loveth him also that is begotten of him. Ain't no way around it. If you love God, you'll love people. If you don't love God, you won't love people. There's just no way of getting around it because I need the, the love of God to be shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I need God to give me the ability to love others. Mm -hmm. So it starts with loving Him. Yes. And how do I, if loving kindness, His loving kindness drew me, then let His loving kindness keep me until others are drawn by that love through me. This is how I prove to God. Letting God work His love through me. Mm -hmm. You know, Bible says, how can you say you love God you ain't never seen Hate your brother you see every day. That means that God's love is not in me. He hasn't drawn me yet to that point where I'm gonna I'm be willing to prove to God that I love him by how I treat everybody else. Mm -hmm. By this, he said, they'll know that you are my disciple. You know, that proves that we begotten of him. Last verse, back to where we started, verse 9 of the book of 1 John, chapter 3, the King James Bible. Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So we're going to end right there. You know, it's, 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 it's all right there, you know. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you this morning for your word. We pray, God, that this word now will take root. It'll go out, not return void. Do what you please in the purpose for which you sent it. I believe this word is helping someone right now that heard it. To be able to make plans to build toward a better future, Lord God. To prove to you that we love you because we do not purposely go out and commit sin. But Lord, we do everything we can to resist the devil by first submitting ourselves to you. And we believe that if we submit ourselves to you, as we see others in the Bible, as we see the Johns, as we see the James and the Peters and and in the pause we see the things that took place in their life we see the, the regeneration we see uh, the, 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 the transformation that was made as they renewed themselves in the revelations of Jesus Christ they were all able to build better futures for themselves and for their families and for their followers the Titus is Lord God that exposes that it's not by works of righteousness we're saved but we got to be born again of the spirit we got to be born of that incorruptible seed yes and so, Father, we thank and praise you now, God. Your word has been given today, and we've sown your word as a seed, an incorruptible seed. And we pray now, God, that we will be free of sin, of committing sin, because your word is in us, hidden in our hearts, that we not sin against you. We pray now, God, that you seal this word, seal it in the ears of the hearers, seal it in the hearts and in the lives of those who have heard and received this word today, that, Lord, they'll, be, they'll walk in truth, O oh God, as a spirit of truth, lead, guide, and direct every step that we make. Thank you for sending your word. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be accepted in your sight, Lord, our firm and pinnacle rock and our redeemer. Your words were found this morning, and we did eat them, and they have become a joy and rejoicing to our hearts even right now. 
We thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. Help us today, God, to walk in the light of your word, the gospel. We give you praise, going on for it right now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. All right, then, we're going to go right into our comment time here. we we'll start with Pastor Sharon and Pastor Eric and Pastor Phoebe to follow. Amen, Pastor Sharon. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Thank God 